the Owlcast, the official podcast of ACS Athens. Listen to the exciting story of the American Community Schools of Athens. Check out what drives all the members of our international community of learners as we create the education of the future. Here's John Papadakis. Music is the universal language that inspires and evokes emotions. It is spiritual and it is the ultimate spark for the imagination. People can evoke memories of a particular event in their lives just by listening to sounds or melodies. Music enhances learning and it's not by chance that some very innovative schools employ a music background in classrooms to activate both the creative and the analytic parts of the children's brain. There are even theories that, depending on the instrument someone plays, the brain can develop different centers simultaneously. The dissonance of jazz music and the harmonies of classical music can be appealing to the psyche of so many different people, while everyone can benefit from the healing properties of music. Today's episode of the Outcast is all about music. Anna Mansell, middle school and academy music teacher, came to ACS Athens a year and a half ago with her suitcases and her cello. A classically trained musician, she talks to us about her journey in life and through music. With Miss Mansell today, we discuss being the pioneer of the family in pursuing a music career, improvising at a young age and regulating emotions through music, tough choices, piano, cello, or voice, transferring skills as a musician to those of a music teacher, motivating music students that believe they're not talented enough, and students discovering they can make their own music. at ACS Athens from Sheboygan, Wisconsin, a picturesque lakeside town north of Milwaukee, via China. How did you feel as you made your way to Athens last year? Uh, so I moved here in very early September of 2020, and the world was in such a unique situation that, you know, that everywhere in the world was. So it was quite the experience moving here in the midst of a pandemic. I'd never been to Greece before. It had been 10 years since I had been in Europe, uh, but I was just so excited and so happy to embark on this new adventure. That must be such a different set of things to see after these two quite different destinations in your life, correct? Yes, definitely. We're talking about music today, mostly. Um, music, as they say, is therapy for the soul. Music is a soundtrack of our lives. It's communication without words, the language of humanity. We could go on forever. What is it to you? What is music to you? And could you imagine your life without it? It's a very heavy question to ask. Um, to me, music is everything, as, as cheesy as that is. It's happiness. It's also sadness. It's a way to express yourself when you're at a loss of words. Um, it's a way to connect with others and communicate. I cannot imagine my life without music. I really, really cannot. It's just always been there for me, and I rely on it. Who inspired you to become a musician? That's a great question. I've had a lot of influences in my life, um, people that 
I've been able to work with and study with. Um, Did your family had anything to do with uh, being a musician or were they musicians themselves? As far as I know, I'm the first one that pursued it in any way. Uh, my family was always supportive of me studying lessons outside of school, providing me opportunities and resources that I need to figure out that I loved this. You know, they really supported my exploration at a young age and figured out, oh, I like this and it really makes me happy. And they supported my, um, you know, my dreams of figuring it out and seeing what I liked and what I didn't like. And they supported me when I decided I wanted to study music. Could they hum to your music or? You know, my grandma says, or my mom, I don't remember, says, you know, I really like playing the radio. <laughs> so that's what they play. They play the radio. At least um, there was a musical ear. Yes, but they've they've always been so supportive. Um and I I can't imagine what it, where I would be if um if that wasn't the case and I just I appreciate that they were always there for me. Do you remember the first musical piece that either you played or you heard and you say I'd really like to play that piece? I don't recall, but I mean I have a couple very early childhood memories and or maybe been told throughout the years, but I think I think maybe my kindergarten talent show, I played a piano piece that I just made up myself. Um, I don't know. I, I started... Improvisation. Oh. <laughs> oh, my goodness. At what um, age? Kindergarten? Kindergarten. It was a short-lived <laughs> improvisation phase. Um, but yeah, I started piano first when I was really young. Uh, we had a piano in the house, and I think that's what caught my interest was just having... Mm -hmm. It was really a piece of furniture, the piano was, and I fell in love with it, and we figured out... It helped me regulate my emotions in a way, you know. So the, the piano followed you or you followed the piano? Yes. What appeared first? <laughs> uh, I think the piano was always there. It was there before I was. Um, and then as a kid, I was just curious. And I figured out that it was really cool and you can make, you know, different songs and expressions on it. And I think I started lessons in about first grade. You're a classical musician. You play the cello, the piano. You have a beautiful classically trained voice. If I ask you to quit two of these three skills, which one would you keep? Oh, man, that is a very unfair question. <laughs> well, just try and think. <laughs> Honestly, it would depend on the day because I seek these separate avenues for what I need and what I'm feeling in the moment. So, for example, if I just really got to get it out of my system. I play the piano because it's just there. It's already set up. If I feel like trying new things or exploring more creative routes, sometimes it's cello um, because it, you know, it takes a little bit more effort to get going on cello. Um, but sometimes if I just want to jam, I'll sing and I'll just plunk out some keys while I'm singing alone. Mm -hmm. Um, if I'm in a group, I really prefer singing. Actually, mm -hmm. it really connects people. It's, there's this cool thing that happens when you're using your body to make music. But honestly, I don't know because it would really depend on where my mind's at that day. So no answer to this. No question. answer. Sorry. <laughs> can you actually sing and play at the same time? I find that very difficult. I can to a point. Yes. It depends on the style. Um, I briefly was in a band in Chicago for a summer and I did play cello and sing at the same time, which was very tough. <laughs> um, but I've piano and singing, before. <laughs> neither had I. I mean, I know guitar and piano that, that you know, people play and sing mm -hmm. at the same time, but cello. That was new for me and it was an experience. Um, Another improv. It was practice <laughs> beforehand. <laughs> 
favorite piece of music or song that you don't remember how many times in total you have listened to it? I don't exactly know because I enjoy a variety of things. If I get bored of something, I want to switch it up and I want something new. However, I like to revisit years later, um, you know, things that I used to love. For example, Spotify is great because I'm going through my old college playlists and I'm thinking, oh, wow, this brings me back to when I was studying for this course that I needed some background music for, um, things like that. And I love making playlists because then I can reflect back a couple years later and it just kind of keeps track of what you like. But I don't think there's any one piece or one song that I keep on repeat. When you try to concentrate, what do you listen to? Lately, lately, I have been listening to a playlist that I made that is just instrumental covers of popular music. And I was just discussing this with a student. Um, I love all genres for the most part, and I'm classically trained. But if I sit down and I listen to classical music, sometimes my brain wants to focus on the music and not at my other tasks. So if I want background music, I found I like um, songs without words, but nothing too complex for my ears where I want to listen and analyze and figure out what's going on. So I find popular music, but instrumental versions are what I'm into lately when I need some background music. And a trick question. You're listening to a song. Mm -hmm. What do you pay more attention, the music or the lyrics? Definitely the music or definitely. the, I mean, I think so. I mean, have you listened to a song that is definitely a happy song, but the lyrics are a little dark and then you say, oh, that ruined it for me now. The first thing that sticks out to me is the melodic lines and the phrasing and the use of the chord progressions, that sort of stuff, because I was at first an instrumentalist and then later a vocalist. It's your training. Exactly. And so my ear picks up the melodic lines first, but then I figure out I love a piece when all of a sudden I realize, oh my goodness, these words are amazing. These lyrics have such a deep meaning. And that's when I really like a piece of music, when I like all the aspects of it. How do you translate your love for music to your love for teaching? What prompted you to turn to music instruction when you could be a professional symphony musician? I'm very passionate about the process itself versus the final product of what others see, which I think makes me really passionate about being a teacher because it's all about the learning process and exploring and making mistakes and figuring out what we like versus putting on a show. Um, I think that is a great way to showcase learning and um, accomplishments, but I think it's really about the process that we, that we take to get to the final product. Um, my philosophy is that I want everyone to just be exposed to music. You don't have to love it, but I really want for all students to have some sort of positive experience with it. It doesn't have to be their life. They don't have to love everything about it, but I want them to be exposed to different styles and types because you never know what you might like if you've never been exposed to it. Very interesting. As you teach music in the middle school and um, our academy, you come across many talented students who love the class and others who do it just for the art credit. How can you motivate someone who is not really interested uh, or who thinks that he's just or she's just not talented enough? I think collaboration is a strong piece and a strong aspect with anything that has to do with music. Mm -hmm. So I think include, making students feel included and valued in our setting is crucial to making music because if you feel like you're not part of it, 
it's going to be hard to work together to create art. So I think making everyone feel like they should be there is a great first step. Um, and then I think trying out different things. I have some students who play different things on different songs, and it makes them feel excited about these different opportunities for each different piece that we're in. Um, on the contrary, there's some students who are new to an instrument, and it's very tough to, you know, be in this mixed grade class and feel like you're, you know, have to keep up with everybody. But I think we break it down to the basics. And I, um, you know, if we're playing a piece that I arrange, I arrange it for everyone to be successful and have it be an enjoyable experience. So I think it's all about setting up, you know, your ex expectations, which can include being inclusive towards others, respectful, working together, things like that. Through your years in teaching music, have you come across uh, someone who discovered its magic through your class and pursued it in a more serious or systematic way? I've definitely heard beautiful stories that students tell me that they want to try this out after being in the general music class or they took an instrument because, you know, mom and dad want me to. And then all of a sudden they really like it. And I find that so flattering, not going to lie. Um, and I think it's it's just so amazing when a student discovers the power that they have inside them to create music. Uh, I mostly, before coming to ACS, taught middle school. So I don't know of a large amount of students that have continued on with music just because I teach younger grades. But it's still great to see the consistency from when a sixth grader all of a sudden makes it to high school and they're still playing. I think that's such a wonderful thing. Have you ever tried to locate what's that key element? Like, I mean, okay, yeah, you have your family most of the times that say, you know, why don't you take up an instrument? Mm -hmm. But you go to the class and you see that expectation of, you know, getting a good grade in that class. And from that to actually pursue music more seriously, there must be something there. I is agree. it talent? Is it something inside you? Not you as a teacher, mm -hmm. but you as a student. I think it's different for every single student and fostering um, students' interest in being self-motivated and tackling these problems on their own or trying it on their own and then coming to me for help is can be really empowering for students, you know, to figure it out and be interested enough mm -hmm. to figure it out. Mm -hmm. You are listening to The Owlcast, the official podcast of ACS Athens. Today, we're all about music. Middle school and academy music teacher Anna Mansell is with us, talking about finding the why of wanting to pursue a music career, the importance of being exposed to music in a young age, the rewarding joy of studying music in an older age, music appreciation versus music education in schools, and much more. What, what do you think are the biggest challenges an aspiring musician faces as he ponders a career in music? So if a student is interested in a career in music, I think it's really important to, to understand the why. Like, what is your goal? Why do you want to do this? And it's going to be different for everyone. I um, really wanted to be an educator and my passion for music I wanted to use to inspire others. Mm -hmm. That's way different than someone who wants to become um, a jazz artist or someone who wants to be a songwriter. And I think you have to figure out why you want it 
and really latch onto that and use it to propel yourself forward. Use the feeling that you have mm -hmm. in order to find it later on in a much more It'll last that way. way. Yeah, it'll last. last. It'll be more meaningful. Most people believe that in order to make it in music as an instrument player, someone must have the innate talent, as we said before, musically inclined from birth. What do you think about this notion? Is there such a thing as tone deafness? Is the classical way of teaching music too restrictive for those who are not quote unquote talented? I do not think the word talent um, is appropriate when describing the learning process itself. I think we need to make mistakes. Otherwise, life would be pretty boring and too straightforward. So I think trial and error, figuring out what works for you, what doesn't, um, is a reflection of skills and competencies and not so much talent. There's definitely prodigies <laughs> um, that you know, at a young age, we learn about this in music history, are just naturally gifted and have a natural ear. However, I think through training and practice and guidance, anybody can develop a skill in music, I would say. So you don't think tone deafness is a desperate condition? I have not noticed it in my students. <laughs> <laughs> not, not in your students, but in your experience. I mean, I can understand tone deafness when you try to say to someone, you know, can you sing this back to me? Mm -hmm. and they have no idea how to do it. But I guess training... I think with training and with practice and that, getting out yeah. of your comfort zone, definitely. Yeah. What, what is the best age for a child to, to start music, in your opinion? What about an adult who never had the chance or option or encouragement as a child? Um, I definitely have thoughts on all of those questions. Um, the way my family did it, there were four kids in my family, and as soon as we could read on our own was when we could start studying piano if we wanted to. I think that's a really good rule of thumb because um, my musical experience, I was pretty self-motivated from what I can remember. Um, you know, my parents weren't sitting down with me and telling me what to practice. They said, okay, I think you should go practice and I would be self-led. And I think when you have reading comprehension skills and more independency, I think that's a great time to start. I think it's really important um, at a young age to be exposed to music and to learn good practice habits and such. Uh, for adults, I think it is never too late to try music, to try anything. For any instrument or I would, most? I mean, I think so. I um, had a small studio when I was in high school. I had a small cello studio and I had a student who was in her mid forties and I was 17 years old. And it was great to see her like feel this joy all of a sudden in the middle of her life. And she had always wanted to try, but was too nervous or mm. didn't have the time. And I think as an adult, you're very committed because, you know, you're deciding that you want to do this and you're the reason you're doing this. And I think it's cool. I think more adults should try music at a later time in their life. It can be really rewarding. Have you ever frozen in front of a public during a performance? How, how did you get over it and persevere <laughs> and finish? Um, I definitely get uncomfortable performing alone sometimes. I'm definitely, I prefer uh, working as a group, collaborating in a symphony or a chorale or something. Um, I just, you know, I really like the working together piece. Performing solo, honestly, um, my views are changing a bit in this just with the day and age of technology and the pandemic. I'm finding myself making more and more recordings at home and I try it many times until I'm proud of it, things like that, versus when I was younger, everything was live. 
Mm -hmm. You had no option to do anything online. Mm -hmm. And it was there in the moment and you had one opportunity. And nowadays I would be nervous to go back to having one shot in front of a live audience. I think it's really changing the way young people are experiencing music, like in the universities and such, or like even just auditions. I have a student auditioning through Zoom for universities. Wow. And that is a whole different ballgame just in the last couple of years. Um, I've seen online uh, concerts mm -hmm. of multiple people on different screens. Yes. And yep. I was always wondering, you know, what that feels like, because part of the whole process is the experience of being with another person next to you and mm -hmm. communicating that real And the way energy. And the energy. Yeah. Is a presumption that uh, a classically trained musician cannot improvise. Is this true? I mean, to your knowledge, is there a classical piece or composer that allows for improvisation? And would you ever play jazz? Um, I think this is once again a question that is different for everyone. I would say I cannot comfortably improvise. <laughs> I'm not. I don't have a lot of confidence when it comes to this topic because I'm classically trained and very. Western music history. So you're certifying trained. my assumption. For me, for you, for me, okay. I would say yes. <laughs> uh, in most standard or national education systems, music is part of the curriculum, but in a secondary capacity or role. In our curriculum, it belongs to the art program along with theater and visual arts. What is the difference between music education and music appreciation? Or should there be a difference in our approach to music in schools? I feel that everyone should be exposed to the topic of music appreciation, no matter what. Anyone should have the opportunity to appreciate music. I don't think you can force appreciation upon anyone, but I think providing them experiences and a toolbox of listening skills and uh, exposing them to so much, so much that's out there. I think everybody should be provided that in their education. I think if a student has a strong interest or, you know, they have some skills, pre-existing skills, I think then they should take a performance class. Mm -hmm. um, in my opinion, I don't think you should be forcing kids to perform because that could be creating a negative experience Backfire. for them. Well, yeah, music should be enjoyable. And You know, it should never be a punishment. It should never be forced upon anyone. So if you're not wanting to perform, you can still be involved with music just in a critically listening way or analyzing different works or really diving into the music history. But if a student's interested, they should have an outlet to perform and share their work with others. So I would say there needs to be balance and it should be an opportunity if the students wish. Mm -hmm. So I'm coming to you and I have a little kid. And I'm telling you, um, could you help my kid um, learn music, but I don't want to pressure him or her um, to learn music in the classical way, meaning the discipline, the, the classical methodologies and so on. How would you approach it? Would you say, 
find me a, your favorite song and let me teach it to you? Or is there a different way to approach someone who is not interested so much in the classical methodology? If I were the teacher, yeah. I would say, well, I hate to break it to you, but we got to start with the basics. You need to have a healthy starting place, which means technique, which means knowing how to practice because You know, we say the word practice, but what does that actually mean? Even though you're not going to be able to play a piece for a year. Yeah. Well, maybe. It, it depends. Or more. It depends on the piece that you yeah. want to play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think it's more than just muscle memory and mm -hmm. memorization. Mm -hmm. I think you got to feel it and you got to understand what you're playing because it will mean so much more if you can actually understand what the reason that you're playing it and why this is working and how everything comes together versus if you plunk out a couple notes because you want to learn something, um, so it might the, not be as satisfying and fulfilling. So the appreciation is going to come at some point. Exactly. Yes. Um, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, among others, are preparing for the idea of traveling to other planets, maybe in our lifetime. If you were invited to such a long trip that would take months or even years to complete, um, and you had to choose three, four, five albums to take with you, uh, which music would you take with you? I wish I could take five playlists with me. Okay. So <laughs> or five mixtapes. <laughs> yeah, you make it easier for yourself. Uh, try to focus on albums. So... As I shared earlier, I'm really a person that likes variety and I well, that's struggle. Why I said five. Okay. But I struggle to like sit and put myself in a box. Okay. You know, mm -hmm. with one artist. Um, some artists that really I've I'm always drawn to and I'm always up for listening to. Um I wrote Think of yourself. Okay. In the middle of nowhere. In the middle of nowhere. And the only thing you can do okay. is listen to music. Okay. Okay. You don't have anything else to do. You cannot play anything any games or anything you're just going to be listening to music and it's for three or four or five months okay so think of yourself forget about what you like <laughs> survival mode survival okay mode, exactly <laughs> all right if i was in survival I could, I could mode i have said uh, an island but i'm making it a little bit more exotic <laughs> yes okay um hands down i would need something with yoyoma because i just would It would either be the Bach Cello Suites album, of course, fan favorite of everyone, um, or the Appalachian Journey, which is um, an album that I go to from time to time. It's uh, more, I don't know, folk type. It's like folk meets classical. Huh. It's very, I don't know how to explain it. Every piece sounds so different. There's some like Irish jigs, there's some uh, waltzes, there's a little bit of everything, and they use more classical instruments to create okay. a more contemporary sound on them. Definitely Adele. I love her old stuff and her newest stuff. I like the ends of her timeline. Um, Although she has only, what, four albums? Yeah, and then some singles. But I love 19. So the first and the fourth. Yes. 19 <laughs> meant, like, really motivated me to develop a more non-classical tone, honestly. I would play it in the car and I would be singing when I would be driving. I miss having a car for that reason. Um, however, I, I like her new album way more than I was expecting to. Um, she was really pushing the limits with developing herself as an artist from 
what she was until what she is now. Um, I'm a really big Eddie Vedder fan. His more acoustic stuff. Um, he has, I don't know what I would choose, probably the Ukulele Songs album. Um, it's just this whole side of him you would not expect to hear. Uh, definitely some sort of Beatles album. I don't know which one, but a Beatles album. I, I cannot. I'm not going to pressure you okay. on this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, oh, it would be a tie. I love um, kind of like indie artists, hmm. you know, um, I'd probably choose the Lumineers. It just, it's always my go-to band. Like if I, feel good. if I need to put something on shuffle on Spotify, Lumineers, yeah. you know, something like that. Also Mumford and Sons, big fan of them. Um, or you, the head and the heart. So these three are like tied for the last You've one. given me things to think about over the weekend. <laughs> okay. So finally, uh, you have the opportunity to go back in time and watch someone either play or compose music. You can either play music with them or assist them in composing, learn what kept them creative, talk with them. Who would that person be? Maybe more than one, your choice. Okay, the two that instantly come to my mind without thinking much, um, for two very different reasons, Beethoven. Of course, such an interesting life, you know. Although you wouldn't be able to talk to him. In the early periods, I could, because he had an early, <laughs> middle, and late periods of his life. Um, and it would just be so interesting to see how he did it. To, like, so process. innovative for himself, right. yeah. And just to see how... Um, with his life events, you know, losing his hearing halfway through his life, how his music really changed from his early stuff to his late stuff when he could no longer even hear at all. Um, and that's just mind blowing to me to have this be like very talented musician deal with this setback and still create beautiful art. Um, I would have loved to see that as well as of course, Mozart, but more so for his sister who would help do some of the notation side of things. Hmm. And she's really undernoticed and not really recognized much. But from what I know, from my very basics of, you know, university music history, um, he's very, very well known. You, like one of the most influential, influential musicians in history, composers, whatever. But his sister did a lot of the legwork, actually. And she would be transcribing and uh, writing, arranging it for the different parts. And that would have been cool to see a woman doing that in, in the classical period. So best friends with Mozart's sister. Yes, that would be the goal. <laughs> Ms. Mansell, thank you so much for being with us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. I really enjoyed this. You are listening to The Owlcast, the official podcast of ACS Athens. Make sure you subscribe to the Allcast on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. This has been a production of the ACS Athens Media Studio.